Welcome to the Deep Bass Podcast, where we take a hard look at the element that makes or breaks games, the music. I'm Peter Thomas, and I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Haltom, and we are happy to have you along with us on our journey through The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. What's going on, Cody? Peter, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart how proud I am of you. Did I do it? Such a short soundtrack on our list. Oh, oh, oh. I thought I I thought you were gonna say I pronounced your last name right. Damn. <laughs> oh, that I didn't listen to. Sorry. No, <laughs> I was it's, in my okay. Own head. it's okay. I know, but it is a short soundtrack. This is a really tiny one. Oh yeah. And not terrible. No, no, not a, I mean, I think it's wonderful, but apparently you've got your your gripes with it. <laughs> not like I did last episode, but I'll tell you that. No, I can't really <laughs> complain about the soundtrack. You know, it was actually I would listen to this soundtrack more than any of the other games that we've covered so far. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth listening to. To me, it's one of the classics and uh, just a staple in my repertoire of games. Like one of those things that I'll play for the rest of forever, just because it's that good all the time. Yeah. Now, hold on. The game or the soundtrack here? Both. both. I I think that, yeah, they're both just very timeless to me. And maybe part of that is because I played it, you know, pretty much when it came out or Maybe it's just nostalgia from that era. You know, the Super Nintendo is by far my favorite console, so it's hard. Yeah, I love the Super Nintendo. The only one that's come close so far in Nintendo's lineup is the Switch. But the Super Nintendo has been number one in my heart for a long, long time. I don't know if I could pick a favorite system i mean that's picking between children right you know i mean yeah you have some that you like more than others but i don't think i've ever owned a quote-unquote bad console or anything but i'd have to think on which one was actually my favorite i'm gonna have to ponder that yeah yeah it's definitely something to think about in the future before we actually get started into zelda you know, the history and everything like that. I just wanted to take a brief moment to mention my condolences to the friends and family of Chadwick Boseman. The movie world is kind of, how do you want to say it? It kind of coincides with the game world, right? It's, it's all entertainment. So movies and video games, they kind of stand side by side in my eyes. And I feel like, you know, we would be remiss here on the deep base podcast to not take a moment and and really recognize the greatness. It's one of those things where there's so much of this crap going on in the black communities that sometimes I forget that they still have to deal with like the normal everyday hardship. I know it sounds horrible, but it's one of those things where I'm just like, wow, they still have to face things like cancer and and other diseases that can kill you. And to see him go out with this, it was a real heartbreaker. I mean, I found out in the middle of playing a video game and I had to just kind of stop for a minute. So yeah, just wanted to kind of put that out there. No, I completely agree. He was such a light for so many, regardless of race or color or gender, it doesn't matter. No one knew publicly. I mean, family, friends, that kind of thing knew that he was going through this even while doing so. He still went to children's hospitals. You know, he was still this icon for so many just to bring joy into their lives for the public eye to have 
no idea any of that was going on. It floored me. I actually found out because of your wife. Uh, she had tweeted about it, and I was like, wait, what? I had no idea. I immediately opened up the laptop and did my research, try to figure out what happened, and I was just floored. You know, it yes. was so out of the blue because I was expecting, you know, personally COVID or something related to that because that's what's taking so many lives these days. But to hear that it was this terminal cancer, I was like, whoa, the world lost a really bright star. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, I wanted to take a moment and just kind of acknowledge and recognize that and say, you know, from myself and and Cody and, you know, the Deep Base podcast as a whole, you know, our, our condolences go out to the family and friends and anybody who really knew him, because like you said, he was he was truly a light in a very dark world. And, you know, the people like him are, are hard to come by. I remember when Black Panther was coming out and, you know, like the stars, they do like the media tours and that kind of thing. Um, everyone listening, if you haven't watched his appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, you need to look it up on YouTube because it's absolutely worth it. What it is, is they're taking these people in front of like a Black Panther poster for the movie. It's all these people just talking to Chadwick, you know, or to Black Panther and just being like, thank you for what you're doing, your representation, that kind of thing. And then he just pops out from behind the curtain. Wow. His reaction. Have you seen this? I haven't. I'm going to watch it as soon as we're done here. Oh, it is so good. It's so good because, I mean, the emotions are range. Like one of them almost acts like his mom, you know, just mm -hmm. like I knew you were back there, you know, like kind of that type interaction. Uh, but it's it was a real watching that, like after learning the news and which I, I had seen it before, uh, but rewatching it. It got me right in the gut whenever he would pop out every time. We are now going to take a brief moment to honor and reflect on the memory of Chadwick Boseman.
Thanks for letting us have a moment there. We're going to go ahead and jump into the history of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. The Legend of Zelda is an action-adventure game developed and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It is a first-party game, so you've seen it probably on every single one of their main platforms. I want to say that they have created one for every single platform. It's the third game in the Legend of Zelda series and was released in 1991 in Japan and 1992 in North America and Europe, which goes to show how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Over 4 million copies have been sold worldwide. Uh, Link to the Past was ported to the Game Boy Advance as a Link to the Past and Four Swords and was ported for the Wii, the Wii U, new Nintendo 3DS via the Virtual Console and the Nintendo Switch via the Nintendo Switch Online services. So actually, I, I recommend that if you have a Nintendo Switch Online subscription, go on, download that channel, and there's a bunch of Super Nintendo games that are up there for free, just for you to play anytime. And uh, A Link to the Past is on that list. Uh, Cody, is that how you played, or was it the SNES Classic again? I played through Oom. That's a really good question, because I thought I played on the SNES Classic. However, you know, when we were talking about doing this episode, Mm -hmm. I went to go boot it back up. I had made it to the Dark World part of the game, and then I had stopped for whatever reason life got in the way. Mm -hmm. But I went to go back recently to, like, play a little bit more, refresh myself. My save file on that thing is gone. Oh, wow. Completely. Like, there's a save file there but it's literally like you have like the boomerang and that's all i had and i'm like this isn't right so it might have actually been on the switch where i played it and it just didn't dawn on me i just knew that i had it on the virtual or on the uh snes classic right yeah i was just curious because i know that you have played it this is a a more recent game for you and i'm going to dig into your history here in a minute but uh i just was curious if it was on the nintendo switch online services because you and i have talked about using that as kind of fodder for some future episodes you know for some of the games but uh, it was just morbidly curious so yeah in 2017 it did come out on the the snes classic edition which is the little mini console that i seem to reference a lot in these episodes. <laughs> and then there was a direct sequel, uh, Link Between Worlds, which came out for the 3DS in November of 2013, which was absolutely stellar. And all of the music in A Link to the Past was composed by none other than our beloved Koji Kondo. For those of you in the gaming world, that name should sound very familiar to you because he is a staple of their music compositions i think he's done all of mario he's done all of zelda just about and i want to say maybe even metroid he's dabbled in that one's a bit of a stretch for me i know there's a couple other series that he's touched and everything he touches is just gold i think he does such a stellar job so yeah cody tell me about your history with the legend of zelda a link to the past uh, I played this for the first time last year for a bit of kind of a backstory as to kind of why I didn't get into Zelda until Ocarina of Time, kind of like many people didn't get into Final Fantasy until seven or arguably ten. It just wasn't a game for me back then, not something that was ever on my radar. But I saw the 2019 version of Link's Awakening and I was like, I need this game like this looks so 
adorable that I just wanted to have it. And I had gone back and like tried this game at one point or another like it. And it was strictly the top down perspective that I couldn't get into. That's not that wasn't Zelda to me. Zelda was running around, you know, in Majora's Mask or in Wind Waker. You know, those were the worlds that I wanted, which is hard to convey with the technology of the Super Nintendo. It just kind of was. So I beat Link's Awakening and I just wanted more of that style. I felt more accustomed to the top down view. A lot of my friends, you included, and some of my coworkers were like, dude, you need to play Link to the Past. So I did. And like I said, I got kind of far into it, uh, maybe a third of the way. You would have to correct me on that, but picked it up and I definitely enjoyed it. I was able to play it. Um, the story, I didn't get too far in the story. I got you know to the dark world, but that was about it. And I enjoyed my time with it. It's a deceptively long game because you play through the first part, which is getting the three pendants, go grab the master sword. And then all of a sudden, this brand new world opens up to you, the dark world that you're referring to. And it's like, all of a sudden, you've got seven more dungeons to go through, you know, not counting the end dungeon. And it's like, holy cow. How did they cram all of this into a 16 bit cart or, you know, an eight megabit cart or whatever it was? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And that's something that I enjoyed about it, because when I tried Link's Awakening on the Game Boy Color, I was disappointed in how confined it kind of was. And it had to be. It was originally a Game Boy game. And then when I eventually beat the 2019 version, I was happy for what it was. I understood what it was as an adult, which as a kid, you have no idea. You don't care. But to get those three pendants and then to have the world open up just like it does in Orc Arena, I was like, okay, this is what I want and expect from a Zelda game. Right. Yeah, I was laughing, actually, when you mentioned that the Super Nintendo was made for kind of that top down view. I was laughing because I was like Star Fox would beg to differ. <laughs> Star that chip hadn't been invented, I don't think yet. OK, I, I don't think so either. My history is a little more, I guess, robust. I, I remember playing the OG Zelda on the NES when I was I was a kid. I have a lot of memories of some gaming that I did when I feel like I was too young to remember a lot of stuff. But I do have a lot of, of old gaming memories that stuck with me. You know, I, I've mentioned a few of these to my mom a few times and she's like, I don't even know how you know or remember these things because most kids are too young to keep memories like that. I guess it just goes to show that, you know, gaming for me has always been something that's been very near and dear to my heart. So, yeah, seeing the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past the advertisement trailers and things like that, it was very much a, a, an excitement thing for me. I, I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. And it ended up being a Christmas gift for me. So I was very fortunate to get a chance to play it fairly close to when it released because it, games like this usually released around the holiday time for that reason. I do remember whenever I saw the graphics of it, you know, coming from the NES to the SNES 
and just being like, oh my God, these are the best graphics ever. <laughs> that is a reoccurring theme for me. I did that whenever I saw the first trailers for Ocarina of Time as well. And it just continued on. So every time I see a new iteration, I'm like, these are the best graphics. They'll never get better. <laughs> and uh, I'm proven wrong every single time. I have beaten this game multiple times. This is one of the staple games along with like Donkey Kong Country 2 and Super Metroid and a few other of my SNES favorites that I typically will pick up like once a year or maybe every time it's released since it seems to be about the same time. And I just play through and beat it just for the sake of it. One of the things I try and challenge myself to do because A Link to the Past is very hard. It's harder than you think it would be. And the game tallies up how many times you have to restart, whether that's dying and having to reload a save, or even if you faint, I believe, and use a fairy, I think it counts as well. But my goal is always to try and beat through the game with as few retries as possible. And I think my, my current personal record is three. It was five for a long time, but the most recent time I beat it was on the SNES, or I'm sorry, was on the um, Super Nintendo Online. And yeah, I got it down to three, but I still have not been able to do it. No resets. Yeah, it's definitely challenging, even for, you know, the control scheme that it is, which again is pretty simplistic. Just trying to get a direct hit on somebody that's not blocking. I mean, even when I just booted the game up the other day, you know, when I played a little bit, I dabbled. I was like, why are you not hitting? This should be connecting. And it never does. It's always getting blocked. Or I'm like one pixel off and it just becomes mildly frustrating. Not like Dark Souls frustrating, but, you know, frustrating enough. Yeah, there's definitely a technique that you kind of pick up as you play. And it's one of those things where you're right. The pixels count. <laughs> Every pixel counts. <laughs> that being said, though, I do love the hitboxes in that game. I think they're very fair. That's not something that you'll hear very often in a in an older game like that. Um, oftentimes, you know, they the programmers will just be like, well, it's too hard to kind of program around the character properly. So we're just going to make it a box. And, you know, if you get hit in this area, sometimes it's like, well, I wasn't even close to that. So I think that the hitboxes in this game were actually were done really well. Yeah, I, I'll take your word on that because I can't speak to hitboxes way back in the day like this or yeah. what I would expect from them. I mean, I'm a shooter guy, so I'm like, all right, well, I should have shot him. You know, that was clearly his head or in that region, you know, and it not working that way and me getting frustrated. But in something like this, I got I got nothing on it. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. What do you think? Uh, you want to start on our list here? Yeah, sure. Why not? OK, why don't you start us off and tell me your number five on The Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past? I want to apologize first and foremost for disappointing you and letting you down for putting lost ancient ruins on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you listen to a boring track again. To be completely honest, I don't like the start of this track. It's almost too ominous 
in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it only lasts about 20 seconds and then, you know, the entire track changes. That's actually the part of the track that I enjoy about this song. When I hear it, it takes me straight to a dungeon that I'm exploring. The organ or piano, whichever instrument that is, it's kind of hard for me to tell. Almost have an echo to them that tells me I'm either underground or that I'm in a dungeon. I love the trumpet on this track because I feel like more than anything, it really sets this song apart. It's not a happy or upbeat track, but I just found some beauty to it. So that's why it's on my list. I wanted to preface whenever I saw this on your list is that your list in general, three of your five songs were songs that I almost put on my list. And one I actually did put on my list. We'll, we'll get to that one a little later, but it should probably be noted that I love more than just the five songs that I put down. This track in particular is one of the exceptions. And I'm starting to think that you're picking up on my vibes by saying like, (laughs) I apologize for making you listen to this. Uh, Believe it or not, I don't, I don't find it monotonous or anything like that. It's one of those things that I find it a very cool soundtrack. And I think it hits a lot of the notes that you'd expect from a dungeon track. Mm -hmm. And I want to emphasize that I don't, hate this track by any stretch i just find it a little lower on the list for me i i guess contrary to you i actually like the beginning where it kind of starts off with that very heavy tonal i don't even know what any of these instruments are because this midi chip was like it it kind of stretched the a little bit of the instruments together but whatever that deep dark part is in the beginning i actually really enjoyed i didn't like the higher pitch parts Something about it when I listen to all of the dungeon tracks, and you'll know this because I put two on my list, even though they're not through the dungeons themselves, it's more of towards the end of the dungeons, but I love how it starts and I dislike the rest of it. I was ex- like, I was expecting you to be on my side and just hate the beginning to preface. Like I don't, I do dislike the beginning, but I do understand why it's there in the track. It's there to give that change and to show maybe signifying that the start of the track is maybe before Link enters and starts exploring. But now he's inside. So there's a little bit of lightness in it. That's just kind of in my head when I think about that track. That's what is kind of going on in the background. That's what I'm kind of seeing and feeling as I listen to this track, to put it visually. Right. All right, buddy. Tell me about your number five. My number five is Anger of the Guardians. And this is 
what I was referencing before. So this plays right after pretty much every one of the dungeon tracks. This is one of the main boss battle themes that you hear when you're fighting pretty much every major boss in the game. And I find it very cool. It's one of those things that comes out and it's equal parts epic and stressful. I remember as a kid that I would sing this song in my head in real life when I was like taking tests and stuff and time was like starting to run short, you know, it would just come on and in my head, I'm like, Oh God, I got to finish this really quickly. You know, it gives you that sense of like urgency and even talking about it now, I feel like my palms are getting sweaty. (laughs) But what I love most about the track is that there's, there's not a lot to it. It's very simplistic in, in design. It didn't take much. I think, you'll note that it's it's incredibly short, but it conveys so much in that little bit. It just really completes what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm as I'm coming to the end of a dungeon and I'm ready to fight this boss, this is the kind of track that I'd like to hear. But when the horns, which I assume, like you said, were trumpets, start up in the beginning, I said, you know, shit is about to get real. I mean, exactly. Once again, bravo, sir. 34 second track and it's on your list. (laughs) Um, This is a boss fight, clearly. It just has a massive chaotic energy to it. As a standalone track, though, it didn't jive with me that well. I'm not sure if it's the length of it or because I didn't hear it enough, you know, having only played what I have of the game. I didn't really have too many memories with this track i will say and we've said it before there is a special place for boss fight music and Mm -hmm. how it makes you feel i think we've put a couple boss fights on our list before particularly in persona but this one just didn't hit with me the way i that it did with you interesting i'm a little surprised to hear that but i can understand especially when you're listening to it outside of the, I guess the context in which it was supposed to be, you know, I think that's the the unique thing about this podcast is that when you're listening to this in game, it's one thing, but when you listen to it outside of the context, it's, it can be lost in translation. I think there's one track in particular, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later where I think you you felt the same way. And it was one where I do agree with that 100%. But before we get there, let's go ahead and jump into your number four. Number four for me is Kakariko Village. And this is about as basic of a pick as you can get. But personally, I love it. When I hear this track, it takes me to Orcarina of Time because that was the first time I heard any version of this track. In a way, I enjoy this track being slightly more simplistic than the one from Orcarina of Time. I mean, it's the same track, but it's just limited by the technology at the time. Even though the graphics in the game 
are more simplistic. Hearing this track when I played this game told me the tone and the vibe of the town. When I left Sanctuary in this game and just happened to stumble my way to the left and entered Kakariko, hearing this music was what made it hit home for me that I was actually playing a Zelda game. look at it. It's funny because I don't know what it's like to go from a newer game back down to the older ones. It's uh, difficult. Yeah. 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 Typically when I've, I've played anything, it's been kind of forward progress. So to come into a Zelda game and I guess not feel like it's Zelda until you have something that's more familiar like that, that's a, that's a very wild feeling that I, I don't know that I can I can piece together personally, but um, like I said, it's a basic pick and on many people's lists, it probably wouldn't be. But for me, I see this game, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, and Link suddenly has pink hair. And <laughs> it's a, like, you see where I'm going. It's a top down view. You know, Zelda magically knows me by name and doesn't reference it at all you know we don't i don't know who these characters are or who they're supposed to be i mean i know who link's supposed to be i know who zelda's supposed to be but other than that nothing about this game other than the title of it made it feel or if i'm being fair sound like a zelda game so that's the reason why it's on this list at all is because that's what really made me feel like this is familiar. This is the adventure that I'm used to. It might look different. It might sound a little bit different, but this is still what I expect in terms of quality of Zelda. Right. My particular thoughts on this pick in general was that this is this is a very classic track. This track happens to be the start of Kakariko Village as we know it through the later games. As you mentioned, it is it's used pretty similarly in ocarina of time and then they start kind of like mixing it up and putting it in different places but it's still the kakariko village that we know and love but it is a solid track just a side note i when i was younger because i was dumb and would make up names for things when i read them because again i was dumb <laughs> um, i was about to say what's used, this was business <laughs> i yeah i know it's probably true <laughs> true now but uh i used to call this place uh kakariko village believe it or not i don't know why i settled on that pronunciation but it took me years to figure out that it was kakariko and then 
pronounce it correctly and break myself from calling it Kakariko. I don't think I ever said it out loud as a kid because it's one of those, like I did something similar with a Harry Potter when I got to Dumbledore where I was just like, all right, well that character's name, you know, now I know what it is, but you know, I don't dare speak it out loud. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I've always felt that this, this track kind of set the bar with what a village or town track should sound like. It's very peaceful. And as long as you're not being chased and harassed by the guards, everything is copacetic. And it really does. After the part of the game that you go through, you land in sanctuary, you find out things are going poorly. And like you said, if you know where you're going or if you accidentally stumble upon this village, you are kind of greeted very warmly with this track. So one of the things I did find strange about the track is that I feel like it almost belongs on a farm, but it never actually gets that treatment. Every one of the towns that I know this song to be in, and I I could be mistaken because there's a lot of times it's used, but uh, it feels like it could be like a very farmy kind of like a hokey sounding track and never actually gets used in a farm. Every one of the villages are just that, like a village. I think in your defense on that, because I was confused, and as you were saying that, I'm like, well, you're absolutely right. And then I also thought, wait, it has been used in a farm. But you're right, it hasn't, because technically, while it is extremely similar, uh, I believe Lawn Lawn Ranch also uses a version of this, don't they? No, Lon Lon Ranch is um, Marin's tune, the one that calls Epona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could that's, have huh? Yeah, they're not they're not the same track or even like a mixed track. If you get a chance, take a listen and you'll hear. It is also very hokey, but yeah, it's two different tracks. Yeah, you could have put this, you know, in Stardew, and I would have believed it. Right. Right. Exactly. All right, man. What about your number four? My number four is the Hyrule Castle theme song. To me, there aren't too many songs that scream royalty quite like this song. If you listen to the intro, the intro song, and by intro, I mean when the the game is first turned on, and then you listen to the prologue song, then you start the game. This one ends up being about the fourth song that you hear. So it's pretty, pretty close to the beginning of the game. And it really showcases how much they've squeezed out of the sound chip. I may have mentioned in the past and even in the future when we're talking about this, that the sound of the instruments that they're trying to capture is a little muddied and kind of blends together. But they really did, I feel, push this chip to kind of a decent limit, maybe not to the limits, but pretty darn close. This song is incredibly complex. There's a lot of parts that kind of make up what it is. It really carries a lot of weight. So when I hear it, it it just feels very castle-esque to me. It's like I just opened up the doors to the royal family's home and I can feel all that in the music. As always, I am a fan of the trumpets and what they add to this. Sometimes they're a part of the foreground that really carry the track along. And sometimes they're actually part of the background, just adding in a little bit extra to the track. But either way, they are always present and doing one hell of a job.
most we've disagreed on an episode so far. <laughs> I've got I've got some notes for you. Oh, ahead, though. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure you do. I will say, unlike everything that's about to follow, that I do like this track. I genuinely do. I do have issues with it, but I do like it and I do enjoy it. I think, especially in terms of storytelling, the tone that it sets in that environment for the start of the game is extremely important. To me, other than the horns at the beginning, though, there's not much on this that tells me I'm in a castle anywhere. I do love the horns, you know, which are prevalent throughout this track, but they are also prevalent throughout many others. It didn't necessarily make it stick out as being more regal than any of the others. Honestly, when I heard this track, do you know what I thought it was? I do not. It sounds a lot like a airship level from Super Mario Brothers 3 to me. That's amazing. That's going to make what I tell you <laughs> Even better. So, uh, oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's just my takeaway on it. I understand. Like you said, I don't agree with it just because I I do feel like this really does have that that regal sound, like you did barge into a castle. But when I was reading over your notes and stuff, I saw your note about this, and I'm like, I need to find out from like a, an unbiased third party. So I let my wife listen to this and I was like, she has, so she's never played a Zelda game before. She's just barely a gamer. Like she plays a couple of things and that's it. You know that nobody else does. When I'm playing music for her or something like that, she comes into this with a pretty open mind. I said, I want you to tell me where this track sounds like it belongs to you. I was like, I don't want you to tell me anything specific about it. just like a, a location. That's it. And that's all I said to her. And I played this track. And so she's listening and I'm, I'm watching it kind of piece together for her and everything like that. And she's like, it sounds like it belongs in a Super Mario castle. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, it's funny because you both said Super Mario. And I think that's really interesting because it was obviously composed by Koji Kondo, who has done, you know, all of the Mario games. So great on you guys for for kind of making that likeness. But she did feel like it belonged in a castle. And I'm like, okay, so this person who's never heard the song before thinks it sounds like it belongs in a castle. I think Cody's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, give it. Peter taketh away. I do. I know. I had to give you a little bit before I shut you down completely. (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) No, but it it was just one of those things where I like when you said it, it didn't sound regal. I'm like, man, what did this man need for this to sound more regal? I guess like when I'll say this, it, it sounds regal in the sense that the world has gone to hell and something in the castle is obviously very wrong. You know, I was hoping that and I never got this far in the game, but I was hoping like maybe after I guess I would be beating the game, but I digress. But I was hoping that it would actually change to something else, that there would be another like variation of this track that actually plays, you know, once things are better and maybe you cleared this area or something like that. I don't know if that is actually the case, but it definitely sets the tone early game that, hey, everything's gone to hell. We need you to fix things. Right. Yeah, I think that the track itself only plays one other time. It is during a revisit and that's it. And then you really don't hear it ever again. But 
there's no evolution of it or anything like that. And that's because the two times you hear it is when you're only in the light world and then that's it. It's, it's done. So moving on to something we don't disagree about. <laughs> Tell me oh, your number what? three. <laughs> uh, my number three is the dark world. The dark world. It's the main theme of guess what? The dark world. This is after you get the first three pendants. And this is where I left off in the game lengthwise. It replaces the Hyrule Field music. And I'm using that in my descriptions here, by the way, just because that's what it's listed as on this soundtrack. To me, I've just called it the Zelda theme. It's like if a Zelda trailer plays, this song is what's playing with it. Even though it's called The Dark World, I found this track to be anything but. It gives you this brilliant sense of adventure. Once again, we hear the organ, the snare, the trumpet come together and play off each other in really great ways. This is just a great replacement for the Hyrule Field track. tell you that i absolutely adore this song (laughs) yes and it was hard not to put this on my list it really was i think i mentioned this in the persona episode but i typically don't like it when something in the game changes and you lose a track for something else but this is one of those those rare exceptions where I'm just like, no, I, I actually dig being in the dark world because this song is so damn good. With the changes the world actually experiences, the differences and similarities that kind of come together with the dark and the light world thing, this track makes so much sense for how it's implemented. In the story, the dark world is born because Ganon was able to get his hands on the Triforce. And his evil heart was able to make a wish that allowed him to create this dark version of Hyrule. And this track kind of reminds me of the march of Ganon's army through the fields of Hyrule. You mentioned that the snare drum kind of is very prevalent in this. And and it does. It adds that very army-like feeling. You're no longer in the world that you grew up in. This is now somebody else's playground. And you're just here for the ride. From a musical standpoint, it replaced what, how should I word this? It achieves everything that the Hyrule Field music is trying to achieve perfectly. If this was replaced with Lost Ancient Ruins, I would hate it. Just playing that game, it wouldn't work. But this is just a brilliant and fitting 
replacement for this track or for the Hyrule Fields track and something that in certain ways I actually prefer above. Yeah, hands down. Like I said, I sometimes question if I enjoy the dark world music more than I do the light world. For you, that's probably a mood thing, (laughs) depending on your day. (laughs) It could be. All right, bud. What's number three? My number three is called Forest of Mystery. This track is, without a doubt, whimsical and fun. Something that I really enjoyed about the track was the flute and or piccolo, whatever that little tweedledum music is, Mm -hmm. uh, carrying along the melody. This is not the first iteration of the Lost Woods that we'll see. While it isn't like Zelda 1 or Ocarina of Time, where you reset back if you make a wrong turn or something like that, it still was a maze to get around in through and be able to get to the Master Sword. As a kid, I actually never realized how important this location would be. I actually stumbled across it just in my normal exploration. And I don't know that I knew that at that time that the Master Sword was even able to be accessed from that location. So, you know, I'm just wandering around in here and I'm just like, oh, you know, it's foggy and there's like thieves running around and there's a couple of little secrets to find and things like that. But I didn't think much of it with the music and how it's playing and everything like that. It never leads you to believe that this place is is of great importance and that you'll be there after you've obtained the three pendants. about this is I don't remember this track from when I played it. I couldn't place it like I knew it was just where the Master Sword was, but I didn't remember ever doing it. And you and I had talked and, you know, we discussed kind of the setting and when you actually obtained the Master Sword. So I'm like, all right, so I definitely got it. And I wonder why I don't remember this track because I like it. And I think the best way to sum it up is something you had said where it's whimsical. Because on the surface of it, it doesn't scream forest. It kind of does a little bit with some of the deeper notes instead of the piccolo for me, where I can see where this is kind of a Zelda quote unquote forest track. But I just love how light it is. You're kind of taken to the world of fairies. And that's what I hear when I hear like the piccolo and those lighter notes in this. And that to me, I can see as being very forest-like, but only because I played the game or like this game series. Because obviously, like I said, I don't remember getting the Master Sword. I just know that I did. How long does it take to actually get the Master Sword on average? Because I know it's kind of a pain to find. I was thinking about you saying that you don't remember it. And I was like, well, if you know the game really well, I mean, I can be in and out of the Lost Woods in 
10 to 15 seconds. So I'd say that somebody who didn't know the way to go and was trying to figure it out would probably be in there for a few minutes to get it. But I guess it really all depends. You could just get lucky. It's not the hardest maze in the world. It's a top down view and you can kind of sort of see where you want to be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly how much time it would take somebody to get through if they were coming at it with fresh eyes. Maybe I should sit my wife down and see how long it takes her to get through. That would be uh, just hours, to, though. You'd mentioned something, the fact that you said that it doesn't sound very foresty. So where I disagreed that Hyrule Castle doesn't sound very castly or regal, I do agree with you that if you're listening to this out of context, you probably wouldn't guess that this was a forest. You made mention, though, that it kind of sounds almost like the the fairies are, are around and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it actually brought to light something pretty interesting that I think this is probably the most fantasy-esque track I've heard in a Zelda game. It's been a long time since I played through a couple of the games, so I could be mistaken on that. But even though Zelda is technically a fantasy game, it doesn't really follow the same suit as far as the way the music kind of presents it. Um, It presents it like a fictional real life game, if that makes any sense. No, you're right. It does. It's interesting because like it, I completely get what you're saying where you know what? I'll actually have to think about it because I think you're right. This is probably the most quote unquote fantasy track that we actually have, especially on this list for sure. But I would have to go back and either replay or re-listen, which we'll probably re-listen to some of these sooner than I'll actually replay them. But I think you're actually right. I would agree with that being probably one of the most quote unquote fantasy like tracks in a Zelda game. Right. Yeah. I mean, barring the fairy music itself, that's at least the way. And you're the one who mentioned that it even had that fairy feel to it. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're, you're kind of right here. I think that it does sound more fairy-esque and maybe that way you can kind of tie it to the the wooded area. But yeah, other than that, I can see coming from the outside and and not really tying it to the game itself where you'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't see this being in a forest at all. Yeah. If this didn't have this as a title and I was just listening to the track, I wouldn't necessarily know where to place it. Sure. All right, man, we are at our number twos and we we have the same track, which seems to be an almost reoccurring theme here. I think we've, I want to say that we've picked one on, on almost every one of the episodes so far where we've had, a has it been every episode it has (laughs) not been every episode it's been close i think every episode we have had same songs on our list different orders got it perhaps and on occasion we'll have one that meets up it does happen but trust me it's not necessarily intentional yeah i mean we both do these usually at different times so It's kind of funny to hear them when they do line up. Why don't you go ahead and open it up and tell us what our number two is and uh, tell me a little bit about it. It is Meeting the Maidens. Now, I never got to this. 
obviously playing the game because I think this is Endgame, judging by where it is in the soundtrack. Is that correct? It is not. It is not correct. When does this it happen is, then? This happens after every boss that you beat in the Dark World. Ah, and I didn't beat one. So that actually makes sense. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Checks out. This, if you played Orcarina, and I'm using that because that's a lot of people's touchstone to Zelda, especially. I know my dad's listening to this, so he knows when I say this, he'll get it at least. This is Zelda's lullaby, a version of it, at least. What is not to love about that track? And it doesn't necessarily start off that way. Like to me, it almost starts off like the great fairy music more than it does Zelda's lullaby. But it is a beautiful track. It is something that is peaceful and serene. And I have such deep memories with not necessarily from this game, but I remember, you know, getting my Orcarina and this of all tracks in probably Zelda's history, I would argue, this is probably the mainstay for everyone's number two. And that's not necessarily why it's number two for me. I just like my number one a little bit better. But I think that there is no doubting the beauty of this track. hear this song i think to myself every single time i'm like what a better way to end a boss fight than with this serene angelic track that plays and i'm almost sad that you haven't beaten any of the dark world temples to have heard this and how it's done Mm -hmm. and i feel like now my joke at the end of this is going to be lost on you, but I'm going to continue on. But yes, uh, as you mentioned, this is one of the three times that you hear a song in this game for what we know as Zelda's Lullaby, because it was actually not called that in the earlier games. I actually think this is the first time we hear this tune in general. I don't think Zelda 1 or 2 had anything like this. I don't think so. This version of this song in this particular game is head and shoulders better than the rest. You know, obviously there's a reason why it's both of our number twos. Like I said before, the track plays after you beat a boss in the dark world, you collect crystals after that. So you get three pendants, grab the master sword, then go in the dark world and you have to get seven crystals. When you grab the crystal, you find out that there's one of the maidens are basically like, I don't know if they're like encapsulated in it or or what have you, but you hold it above your head as you do with every item that you pick up. And then the crystal leaves your hands, kind of grows bigger. And then one of the maidens shows up in the crystal itself and starts explaining to you kind of like a chunk of the story. 
it's really cool because, you know, the crystals spinning around the character that's inside of it. And, you know, she's telling you all this story and it fits really well. It's a good song to be listening to while you're reading this story because the game can actually get quite long winded, especially around these parts. There is a ton of backstory for them to go over and tell you about. So you sit there and you're listening to this and, and reading the story along the way. And it's just, it's perfect. It just all blends together really well. There is no other way to describe this track, but beautiful. And I mentioned serene and I mentioned beautiful. And I know you've said the same things, but there's a reason why if you listen to this track, those are the things that you hear and feel serenity and beauty. My joke at the end of this was going to be, do you understand Cody? Yes, not at all. Because at the Uh-oh. end of every, every one of their stories, they, they ask you that. And then if you hit not at all, they repeat the entire story. Over. Okay. So they're basically the owl from Orcarina. Exactly. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Which they started also, doing that very early. <laughs> which I'll go ahead and say this now. I know we'll get to Orcarina time, but fuck that owl in particular. Um, but no, and you saying that and kind of explaining where this takes place. I thought based off listening to the track and how epic it is in the title of it, that this was end game. All the maidens are like, have been reunited or something like that because meeting the maidens and this and the beauty of it, it just, it kind of went all hand in hand. I do wish that I had experienced it through the lens of how the game wanted me to hear this because you know like you said what a perfect way to end a boss fight because we've heard what the boss music is like it's the complete opposite of this and you would actually need something like this to actually kind of bring you down to relax you get that heart rate going right back down to where it's supposed to be so i do regret that i wasn't able to view it with that lens but i mean in my defense i tried my save file just disappeared don't regret it, man, because I'm going to force you to play this again. <laughs> I I mean it. I'm going to, even if it means that every time you play, we pull me up on like a video chat and I just sit down with you and I'm just like, okay, here's where you need to go next. And then I'm just going to watch you, watch you play the rest of it. But you, it's just one of those games for me that I, you've got to go through it. I need you to, to, see it through to the end and feel the things that I felt. Even if you hate the top down view, (laughs) the story is that deep, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For a, a SNES game. I mean, it covers so many interesting topics, you know, it for me is kind of like the, the epitome of good and evil and really hitting home that topic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'll probably get around to it at some point, which translates to never. But I mean, in all seriousness, I will find time to actually sit down when we're not doing this kind of thing. But just trust me, if I ever text you or if we do do the video call and you're sitting there and you're playing with me, you tell me to go left. I'm going to go right every once in a while just to anger you. (laughs) I'll be like, no, you're missing. something." No, (laughs) I'm like, sorry, connection cut out. (laughs) no i won't backseat you that hard but i will make sure that you see this game through (laughs) all right but it sounds like a plan 
All right, sir, we've arrived. I think that both of our number ones are, they, they sit at our top of the top of the charts for great reasons, both yours and mine. And I want to hear it, man. Let's, let's hear what your number one is. My number one, I just want to say has the most epic name of any of the <laughs> tracks that have been put on any of our lists these past <laughs> six episodes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, my number one is staff roll. <laughs> and um, built it up and everybody's just sighing heavily I, like I oh know. god like thanks cody something i want to say about this soundtrack and some of the others that we've covered before but a lot of the tracks on these don't have a definitive ending because in this game it never knows when the player is going to hit the a button to progress to the next thing so it's designed to sit there and play for hours on end if it needs to this is one of the few tracks on the soundtrack that actually has an ending. When this track starts, it's beautiful. It's peaceful. This is great. You just beat the game music because the reason why it's called staff roll, I'm assuming, is this plays when the credits are rolling because that would make sense. And otherwise, I'm really dumb. Then out of the blue, about halfway through the track, you hear Hyrule Field come out of nowhere. And when I was listening to this track, I didn't expect it because it does come out of nowhere. And as corny as it sounds, as beautiful as the first half of this track is, as a just standalone piece of music, hearing the Hyrule Field theme start up slowly, it was like seeing an old friend. As the track plays, it loops. And after each loop, it adds a new element, a new instrument, until it just becomes this epic end game version of Hyrule Field. I love this track hands down from start to finish.
This is by far one of my favorite ending themes during a credit roll. I actually thought about starting this off and going, actually, Cody, you're wrong. It's not during the staff roll, even though it is during the staff roll. <laughs> I would have I been like, in call, walk away, have fun, Peter. <laughs> no, it is, it is played during the credits. You finish the game, and just as they start the staff roll, this, this starts going through. And, you know, I love the song for a lot of the points that you've mentioned. It's very rewarding as, as most end game songs should be. It should make you feel like, Hey, you just accomplished something really big and you did the thing. But the highlight to this is really that midway transition. It starts off very beautifully and moves into that Hyrule field theme, but it's slowed down to like a, a March, like you're, you're heading home. And one of the things you'll see when I force you to beat this game (laughs) is that they revisit all of the places that you've been and you see all the different characters that you've met along the way and kind of like what, what's happening with them now that everything's gone back to normal. So it's satisfying in that on its own, you're just like, yeah, this is a great track that puts the, the hat on the rest of the game. But it's even more satisfying to sit there and go back to all these characters that you saw, whether it's the the thief in the desert or the two little crazy guys that you see when you first enter the dark world, the little gremlin guy that was kicking the ball around. You see everybody and you get to see kind of what they're all doing. One of the things that happens right at the end of the staff roll is... Link is putting back the Master Sword. It is really epic. And I'm so sorry that I'm ruining this for you, but it needs talked about. (laughs) You're fine. The song is like just coming to an end towards the end of the last couple of seconds of it. Link puts the Master Sword back and you see him walking away from it. You know, and right at the bottom, it says the Master Sword sleeps once again or something like that. And it's just like, holy cow, this was incredible. I really, really considered putting this on and I almost, I almost did. It would have been right here at the number one spot too. Yeah, this was, this was damn close to being picked. You want to know something that's going to blow your mind really quick and make you judge me immensely. (laughs) Okay, go for it. This was my number five for like 24 hours. Was it? It was like, and the reason why it kind of got bumped up was because I was like, this is a, really 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 long track it's the longest track on this whole soundtrack and part of me in the back of my head i was like how is peter going to cover this in the edit because my mind goes places too from a production standpoint but then i was like do you know what if it's going to be on my list anywhere i have to put it where i feel like it truly belongs and that's number one so that's what i did if you would have put it any lower, I would have judged you. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you didn't. It's worthy of the number one spot. And like I said, I kind of wish I had more spaces because I, the hard thing about it is that most of the soundtrack could have been put anywhere on my, my top five. Like you said, in the uh, beginning of the episode, you know, picking your favorite console is like picking out of your favorite children. This is, this is how I felt about the soundtrack. It's like, how do I pick only five songs that I want from this 
game because I thoroughly enjoy every single one of these tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like another one, like uh, what's the the one with like the silk rabbit or something like that? Like that one almost made my list too. But I digress. We haven't even finished talking about this. You guys still got to tell me about your number one. I do, I do. So my number one is called the Prince of Darkness. If it isn't evident by the name, this is the song that plays when you are in the final battle with spoiler alert ganon (laughs) if you played any zelda game that's not actually a spoiler at all but if you haven't played any zeldas then i'm sorry for ruining it for you but i can't tell you how much this song hyped me up as a kid those drums in that track absolutely rock it i remember this battle being incredibly tough because there is a special technique that you need to do in order to beat Ganon. And I'm not going to say it because somebody hasn't beaten it yet. Oh, come on. You're no. gonna t- <laughs> hey, I'm not going to remember, but I, go on. Keep going. No, no, you don't get any tips from me. I told you, I said, even if I sit on the video call with you and watch you beat through this game, I refuse to backseat this. This is going to be one of those things where I'm just going to watch you ride no (laughs) so you hear this song especially if you don't know how to fight the end boss there are hints that are given to you towards the end of the game on how you're supposed to best him but if you either weren't paying attention or don't know what you're supposed to do you'll hear this track for quite some time either as you die or just in the, the sheer length of the battle because it is long it's most Nintendo games follow the the three hit rule, right? Uh, beating any of the Koopa kids in Mario, it's usually three hits on the head and that'll beat them. This this does not follow that. Uh, three hits usually means a form change and he's going to do something different. And I think it's nine hits total to be able to get to him. And that sounds short, but when you see the kind of things that you have to do to make that happen... It's not short at all. (laughs) But with all that being said, uh, I can safely say that this track is one of the most well-crafted final boss themes I have ever heard. It's simplistic in nature. The, The composition of itself is not very diverse. You know, like Hyrule Castle, I felt like was pretty complex. This one is not. But somehow this song still ends up being just all around a very very solid track.
first note here was, I think this is the Ganon fight, which I'm glad I'm right. You know, I kind of gleaned that from where it actually took place. So one thing that you brought up is the length of this boss fight, which even though I didn't play, having played, what was it, Link's Awakening right before this, I anticipated there being many forms, different attack patterns, that kind of thing. So I knew that this was going to be a track that you had to listen to for a solid probably 10 minutes or so, I could imagine. I love the energy to this more than your number five. I honestly do, because it seemingly has different layers to it. It's a more deep boss fight track as opposed to Anger of the Guardians, which is kind of angsty and crazy like this has a completely while being very similar it invokes a different feeling at least for me anyway whenever i hear it i think it's a great pick man i'm not gonna say anything bad about it i mean i think when we get through the minutiae of some of our tracks like we have our own opinions but Anytime either you or I, or sometimes both of us, put a song as our number one, it's one that immediately garnishes respect. So I thoroughly enjoyed this track as well. Yeah, you made a really good point about Anger of the Guardians being kind of more chaotic, and the Prince of Darkness is not that. And I I feel like that is a testament to the feeling that Koji Kondo was trying to fit in when he composed these tracks the creatures that you fight in all of the other bosses that bring up anger of the guardians are not these organized thoughtful creatures they're just monsters and when you're fighting the prince of darkness this is the guy who is being conniving he's trying to take over hyrule and make it his own Uh, he wants the triforce so the two tracks are very similar in length but they both speak something incredibly different. And that I think is what makes this soundtrack so genius. Yeah. You brought it up, but you know, I hadn't necessarily thought about the difference in the soundtracks compared to the enemies, but I mean, you're exactly right. They're mindless goons, you know, all the tracks or all the bosses that you fight with anger of the guardians, but this one is more menacing. It has more going on because this guy, Ganon, is choosing to do this. It's like the others are just weird and they're having strokes and you just happen to be in the room (laughs) with them. You know, but fighting Ganon, regardless of which version of the game that you fought him, it is an intelligent fight. It is more sinister. And I think this track does convey that really well. Yeah. Even going down to like the way that you fight it, it requires a little more thought than just swinging at a tail or something like that. This is, of course, barring the dungeon. I think it's the third Dark World dungeon, which is just an absolute hellish nightmare to ever go through. And those of you who have played this game know exactly what I'm talking about, because it's just ridiculous how dumb it is. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to the day where I can record your face while we're going through that. <laughs> That's something. No, let's just keep the mystery of what I actually look like a secret. I mean, even on Twitter, I'm facing the other direction. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've made it through the legend of Zelda link to the past. 
I know that you haven't beaten the game yet, but overall thoughts of the soundtrack, how did you feel whenever you listened through it? Before I get to that, I do want to make a small note because I thought of something as we were kind of going through this. Oh, sure. and, you, and you kept giving me so much crap for not beating this. I'm going you know to continue how- to. <laughs> okay, because uh, it dawned on me. And you'll get this. And to everyone else, this is an inside joke that's reared its head at least once. This is your cuphead for me. Oh, Jesus. I'm not wrong because I keep giving you crap for not playing Cuphead and you keep giving me crap for not beating this. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so here's the difference. Cuphead has only been out for a few years. Yeah, so <laughs> and this, what's your point? What? <laughs> this has been out since 1992. Yeah, that's a couple of years. Oh yeah, just a couple. Right. <laughs> Don't try and hide our age. We're old. We're we're cranky Kongs over here, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Cuphead, Cuphead is on the list, but it, at the very least, I have not played and dropped Cuphead. That, 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 is, <laughs> that is true. To answer your question, though, no, I did enjoy it. You know, like I brought up earlier, I realistically listened to this more than 20 times. And some of those times were actually on accident because I would like start like, let's take uh, Prince of Darkness. I would start it to kind of like take some notes for it. And the track's so short that by the time I actually needed to do another pass by it, I had gone down like 10 tracks because all yeah. the tracks on this are so short. And I enjoy, you know, each pass. So I'm not going to stop it or anything. There aren't any tracks on here that I hate. I do have honorable mentions that I had on a document that I've since like closed out. So don't ask me what they were. But no, it was a thorough track as or this track to be as short as it is. And for me, after my initial pass to have more than half the soundtrack left to weed my way through as sort of like, all right, I'm cutting this one. I'm cutting this one. I'm cutting this one. That's a real testament to what this track is. I haven't done that since probably Donkey Kong. Yeah, definitely. The one thing I wanted to note, you sent over a couple of versions of the soundtrack because you were curious about which one we were listening to. The major difference between the two being that I think one of them included like sound effects or something like that, which obviously I don't include as part of the music, no matter how fitting or not. I just don't think that sound effects are worth capturing. Oh, opening that treasure chest felt so good when you heard that, you know, six second jingle. (laughs) But one of the things that was interesting was that there was on the tracks that we listened to, there was one listed at the end called unused track or something like that. Yeah. And I, it sounded like, I don't know, like a laser beam or something like that. I listened to it a few times trying to like peg where it could have been in the game. And I really couldn't fit it anywhere. So maybe that's why it wasn't used, but it was, it was interesting. I think if you're, listening to this episode and you go to YouTube and look for the look for the playlist that has like the the golden cartridge Zelda logo on it. Take a take a listen to that last track and see if you can peg it because I certainly couldn't. Also as a heads up to everyone listening, I did have questions as to which version of the soundtrack we were covering. And I sent Peter two links, very nice little links. He looked at them both. And he got back to me and he didn't say the first one or the second one. He said, listen to the gold one, not the blue one. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, is that someone's name? And then I was like, all right, well, one has a gold background. The other's blue. So I guess that's what we're doing. 
But no, I never clarified that. But I was just like, damn it, Peter, why? <laughs> well, I just assume that, you know, whenever I get your links, they show me previews of any YouTube links that are sent to me. So I could see the like face of the video. I just assume that you also saw the same faces. Nope. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. For the future, know that I'm not looking. Just, you know, give me which list is by who or something like that. Yeah. All right. So we normally wrap up these episodes now with a question that we present to anybody who's listening. And we encourage you guys to answer them by either tweeting us at Deep Base Podcast or even finding us on Twitter, our, our separate user accounts. I usually, I'm the one who manages the Deep Base Podcast account. So I usually retweet mine and Cody's tweets when it's related to the Deep Base Podcast. So you can find us there too. But I slacked off apparently this week and didn't have a question, but Cody, you did. Yeah. So I just had a really, really simple question for everyone that's listening because as you guys know the long story, Peter and I have been working on this for a long time. And our list of games that we want to cover is extensive. I mean, it's a long list. But what do you guys want to hear? What are some games that you want to hear us talk about, cover? They could be games that we played. They could be games that we haven't. It doesn't really matter. And I'm just curious to see what you guys would be interested to hear us talk about. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to be the next episode because it's probably not because I'm looking at the next episode and this is a weird one. I will say that we will take a look. We will consider. It might already be on our list. You guys have no idea. But I'm just really interested to hear what you guys would want to hear from us. I don't think the next episode is weird. I think it's I weird. have I have a method to my madness, okay? So I know you do. I I'm not going to talk about the one, but the reason I picked Persona 5 was because it landed on episode 5. Right. I picked Link to the Past for episode 6 because it's my favorite number and my favorite Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a method, so maybe this will be a big hint to what number 7 is going to be. Specifically, the fact that I, I preface each of my numbers with two zeros. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so it, it's not going to be a weird one. But yeah, I just want to know what people want to hear us talk about. And I think it'd be interesting to see what they say and what is on our list and what we are going to talk about and what we haven't even considered that maybe one or both of us have played. I really love this question, actually. And I feel like even though we're asking it kind of formally here, this should be be a question that's always present for everybody. So if you have games that you've listened to the soundtrack and you've really loved it and you're like, man, I'd love to hear what these guys think. We'd love to hear what you want us to cover and we'll squeeze it in here somewhere. Yeah. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> Great addition, Cody. Thanks. I'm Thank glad. You. Hey, I started <laughs> this. You followed it up. All right, guys, that's going to be it for episode six. Thank you so much for listening and for going back and listening to all of the older episodes. Uh, I will say that we have reached uh, over 500 listens across all the episodes. So thank you so much for that. It's a little mini milestone for us. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, so articulate. <laughs> Cody, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being uh, my co-host and thanks for always having 
such riveting things to to contribute <laughs> towards the end of the podcast. <laughs> I thought about being a dick and just saying, you're welcome. And leaving it at that, but <laughs> <laughs> not, but I always have fun doing this. You know that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap up here and we'll see you guys next time for episode seven. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye guys.